Hi, and welcome back to the Skylight Books Podcast. My name is Tyler Austin. I'm a bookseller at Skylight, and I'm here today with two great guests who I am going to introduce now. Born and raised in a small town in central Siberia at the time when the Soviet Union was falling apart, Artem Mozgovoy began his career as a cadet journalist in a local newspaper when he was 16. At 26, he was editor-in-chief. In 2011, as Russia began legalizing its persecution of gay people, he left his homeland. Having lived in six different countries, including the U.S., and working as a movie extra, a yoga instructor, and a magician's assistant, Arden today holds a Luxembourgish passport, speaks five languages, and with his Romanian partner, lives in Belgium. Uh, he will be in conversation with Dr. Kate Gale, who is the co-founder and managing editor of Red Hen Press and editor of the Los Angeles Review. She teaches in the Low Residency MFA program at the University of Nebraska in Poetry, Fiction, and Creative Nonfiction. She is also the author of forthcoming The Loneliest Girl from the University of Mexico Press, and of seven books of poetry, including The Goldilocks Zone from the University of New Mexico Press in 2014, and Echo Light from Red Mountain in 2014, and six librettos, including Rio de Sangre, a libretto for an opera with composer Don Davis, which had its world premiere in October 2010 at the Florentine Opera in Milwaukee. Thank you so much both for joining us, and uh, Artem, if you were going to start us off with a quick reading of your forthcoming book, I think that would be phenomenal. Great. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Tyler, for introduction. Thank you, Kate, for doing this. I can start by um, uh, reading the, the opening of my um, book, Spring in Siberia. All the beauty of it, all the strangeness, space with no maps, time with no clocks, destinations with no way of reaching them. So many questions with no wise man to look back at you kindly, knowingly, and explain the feeling of injustice, of being the plaything of someone's cruel decision or stupid mistake. But whose? Who ever had the idea of coming to live here? Who decided to make it home for me or for any human being for that matter? I've never felt at home here. I've always felt Alien, Alien, it was my school nickname. I hated it, both the name and the school. I would wake up at 5.30 for classes that started at 7.15, feeling that it was not I who should go through this day here, but perhaps someone else. Perhaps there should be some other little boy who must drag himself through the winter night all the way to the school four hours before the sun even starts to light in the sky. No, it was I. My mother's hand would reach in through the doorway, turn on the light in my bedroom and then disappear. I'd pull myself out of bed and walk to the bathroom. The face I found reflected in the mirror was swollen, pale, vacant. Only two thin brush marks showed on the transparent whiteness of my face. It was as if I had melted into the background as if I didn't yet exist. I love that so much. Um, and I love listening to you read. Um, Artem, so um, when I first read uh, your book, um, one of the things I was struck by was how you were able to, to, to look at different parts of um, the, the, the experience in Siberia sort of twice. You had these different perspectives where you looked at it twice 
And one of the experiences that really stood out to me was the experience with the grandmother that the young narrator has. So he first experiences the grandmother when he's very young and the experience is is exquisite. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very beautiful experience. But then um, when he gets a bit, little bit older, he realizes that his grandmother's life is not as good as he imagined. And in a way, uh, that mirrors his whole feeling about um, maybe about life in Russia, that in the, in the first place, it's, it's sort of a cradle, and then that cradle is not a cradle. Can you tell a little bit about that, how you re-envisioned the, the grandmother's home? Yeah, it's a very good observation. Um, and yeah, you are, I think you're correct to compare um, his relationship to his grandmother, the person that he loved the most and the person whom, who, who loved him the most. You compare it to uh, his relationship with uh, with Russia, with um, homeland. Yeah, it's 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 true. It's that way, and it's a very it's a very um, torturous feeling sometimes. Um, it was like this for my um, character for Alexei, but it was the same for me since the book is autobiographic. Uh, just recently, I I went to <laughs> I, I I went I was in Berlin and I went. Um, uh, to see uh, this uh, Stasi museum, you know, the museum of uh, um, a German KGB uh, office. Um, I, took the, I took the train from the Western Berlin all the way to the East, to the Eastern Berlin, which used to be um, under Soviet uh, domination. And when I got out of the train, I was so shaken by... Um, what I saw, basically, I exited the West and I entered into the East. And what I saw was my homeland. It was my, um, my the scenery that I'm used to, this identical social house in blocks that just multiply and mirror each other forever and ever, um, where, of course, the KGB used to be um, based. And the feeling was so weird so intense at the same time it was a feeling of being back home and yet being somewhere that i couldn't hate more couldn't couldn't wish to escape more um I, maybe unconsciously i i conveyed the same feeling through uh, the relationship that alexei has with his grandmother although although he does love her uh, till the end but as we learn um, by the end of the book, she and her entire family and her friends, they all are what we now would call Putin supporters. They all vote for these horrendous laws. They all um, are epitomies. They're expressing this very, um, um, these very things that are going to destroy Alexian or people like him. So how to find peace <laughs> with this? Uh, this is one of the questions that um, I'm trying to find an answer for uh, in this book. And I'm not sure if I did find an answer. I think it's very, very difficult how to navigate this bizarre existence.
because when he's young, he's blissfully ignorant. And he, he loves his friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he uh, maybe it's the ignorance, naivety. Um, maybe it's also the fact that um, the world is more, often the world is more uh, gentle with, with children, right? And uh, uh, as he's growing up, um, like it happens with, in, in the lives of many uh, queer people, as he's growing up, he starts to realize that, wait a second, am I being loved and accepted for who I am or, or because I haven't been completely honest or open with myself or other people that I care for? They don't love me at all the way I am. They don't know me at all. Um, yeah. Um, in the country, the same. The, the nation can be very gentle with children until they grow up to oppose <laughs> the rules and the uh, political um, system. And then suddenly the same beloved um, citizens turn into dissidents or worse. Right. Right. Um, one of the scenes that, that is uh, a favorite of mine, what, well, let me say that one of the things I like in a book is when, as a reader, we feel just a tiny step ahead of the characters, because I think that, um, that that's a sort of sign of good writing. And um, so in one of your scenes, you have uh, the boy asks uh, his parents for a present and they have basically indicated that, you know, he can ask for what he wants for his birthday and he asks for a Barbie doll. And uh, what's interesting is that he doesn't understand what he's asking for, but his parents know. His parents know at that point what they've always suspected was different about him. It's suddenly like a bell has rung for them. And um, what, you, what you realize as a reader is that they're afraid for him. They're afraid that he's in danger and um, they are not going to give him that Barbie doll. And, um, and so it's, it's such, you, you write that scene so well because you suddenly realize uh, that the boy has no understanding of who he is and of what country he's been born in, but his parents do and that they love him and they want to protect him, but that they cannot change his nature. Um, and, and suddenly you realize that he's in a place where he, he can't change his nature and he'll, he'll, have, to, he'll have to get out to survive. Um, and it's just, so, um, you know, can you tell us more about that, that scene and sort of what went into it? It's interesting to hear uh your understanding, the reader's understanding. And I think it's all correct. Yet, uh, writing it, I never thought of all that. I never, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, you're, you're right. That the, um, once again, the child is naive and he does not know um, all the dangers that um, um, he's facing and his parents are trying to protect, to shelter him. Although, <laughs> <laughs> In my, I mean, my case, in my life, I never saw it that way. Of course, I just, I just felt well, like this. This is what I try to, 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 to 
to convey through Alexei this complete misunderstanding and on behalf of his of his father of the boy's father but yeah you're right you see you you make me realize new things about my own <laughs> book and my own story but then but then what what does it mean to protect someone right what does it mean to shelter and 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 you know how strange today um as we know um this horrendous war that is happening between Russia and Ukraine and the absolute majority of the Russians some 75 80% supported the interesting is that they have their own vision of what's happening and they are told that they are being protected that it's all that we do not russia is not um invading attacking um is not being an aggressor here at all in fact russia is protecting itself and protecting the russian speaking community in ukraine from this um threatening um uh, western fascism neo fascism so this this notion of providing security can be very very tricky um another instance of that in 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 the book it's alexis mother and her little shop that she is trying to run after the soviet union collapses and suddenly people are supposed to um come up with a new market based style of living without any experience of uh, capitalism any experience of buying and selling and she is doing her best in this small town and the first thing that happens is that the local mafia leaders show up and they say that they are going to protect her they are going to pr- protect the little shop nobody asked for their protection nobody needed that protection in fact the only threat that the shop was facing was the mafia itself so depends i guess what perspective we are taking from what position we are trying to see the reality and if we take the alexis alexis father perspective or vladimir putin's perspective today they are doing something honorable wonderful providing security protecting yet i don't know was it was was that protection really required asked for needed another question that <laughs> i keep looking answers for right so um so in a way this this young young boy um doesn't need to be protected from himself yeah i it's it's so hard and this is what i try to the opening line of my book all the beauty with all the strangeness and the whole story is is playing with these notions and trying to um understand understand it better and uh, see both sides um but we can only we, we can only be subjective right we we can as 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 a writer i can only have my vision i cannot ever pretend to have the hold of uh, objective truth <laughs> and uh, it is alexis story 
and um, in his story um his father is antagonist he is um someone who fails to love him fails to to, to accept him fails to but maybe you're right maybe all he was trying to do was protecting <laughs> but then what also protecting protecting from Protect, 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 providing security protection is something to do with fear. Mm -hmm. Fear is never the right, never the right model to act upon. Never the right guiding force. Um, yes, his father is afraid. Afraid that people will laugh at Alexei. People will ridicule. People will persecute. People will. But, but to me and to Alexei, it's not fear, it's love that would matter. Mm -hmm. And that love that his grandmother, his mother, do manage to provide. Doesn't that, doesn't that um, like better than any protection? Isn't, isn't love better um, security, better protection? <laughs> well, yeah. so that's part of the key question of this book is um, if the people close to Alexei asked the question of love, then they would be asking the question of where he could flourish. And maybe that isn't saying in Russia, but if yeah. they're asking the question of just where he can be safe, then... Um, then the question is perhaps that he should align himself with um, mm. what he quote should be doing in Russia, which which obviously the rule in Russia is just to quote be straight, um, which essentially means to pretend to be straight. I would assume. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more than just you can be gay, but. You can. You should be hiding. You should be pretending. You should be lying. You should get married. You should have children. Um, you should play by the rules. You should right. play by according to the this very strict set of so-called traditional values uh, that Putin says now uh, he's protecting traditional values of Russia from the globalized um, evil West. Um, Yes, and these are the two paths that basically um, Alexei is facing, either to follow his father and and keep pretending, pretend that he is someone or he is not, for the sake of being in security, for the sake of being well, you cannot be happy that way, for the sake of being safe, yeah, or follow. Um, follow his mother's model and uh, mm, express himself and accept himself and um, yes, face the um, persecution, but find an independent path to be yourself, perhaps somewhere else, perhaps far away from both parents and the country. Um, yet, yeah, what what can there really be another path to 
to solve it, uh, to, 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 to find here. Um, it wasn't an option for me in the end, and it wasn't an option for Alexei in the end. Um, so can you talk a little bit about Siberia itself? Uh, you know, uh, I think when most people, most, most, you know, Westerners who have visited uh, Russia at all, uh, I think, I think, you know, uh, or at least have, have uh, been acquainted with um, uh, Jason Schneiderman, who's uh, one of the Red Hen uh, poets, he has been to Russia, but certainly not to Siberia. So most American um, people who have been to Russia before the war um, ha have been to, to Moscow, to St. P Petersburg, not to Siberia. Um, I think people who are birders end up sometimes going to, to Siberia. I think there, there must be some bird migration going on there. That's <laughs> My my grandfather was an ornithologist and a professor, yes. at and I think he he ended up there. So, what is the setting of Siberia? Obviously, you were familiar with it, but but you you weren't you weren't tied to that. Um, what does the setting of Siberia do for you when you're when you're work when you were working on this? Did it feel like the most extreme part of Russia to write about? Um, you know, how did that play into your your writing of this book? Um, well, I can call myself a native Siberian, at least half, since my mother is from an indigenous native community. And uh, I grew up there. This is basically the only Russia that I know. Um, well, geographically, uh, of course, it's very remote and it's uh, the size of two Canadas, so it's enormous. Um, Culturally, what's important to understand here is that it is not Europe anymore. It is not part of European um, culture, European um, geography anymore. There is this line, that uh, natural line, uh, the mountains, Ural mountains, that separate, that split Russia into what lies west of the mountains is European part, and this is what is more or less known in the west. This is where all the famous writers and composers and so on come from. So Moscow, uh, St. Petersburg and the area. And then there's the whole Eastern part, which is Siberia, that is basically linked actually with Alaska, with the United States. So <laughs> Siberia is very, very close to uh, America geographically. Um, even closer it is to Kazakhstan, um, Mongolia, China and other undoubtedly, unquestionably Asian countries. So this is the setting. It's not Europe, it's not West anymore. Um, and it's separated from, from, even from Russia itself. Um, of course, historically Siberia is the place where people were exiled. They were punished to, to, for whatever they've done, political crimes or not crimes at all, cultural uh, missteps. Um, they were sent to uh, first to live in Siberia before the revolution, and then after the revolution, they were sent to gulags, to concentration camps. And millions and millions of people, up to 60 million of people, died in those concentration camps, which were very similar to the Nazi concentration camps in Europe. Um, now, the social backdrop here 
there are there are a very few cities, big cities, urbanized, industrialized uh, communities in Siberia that were um, set there during the Soviet period, so in the last uh, century, um, for one sake, to extract natural resources. Um, Taiga, the hometown of Alexei, and um, the area where I come from, Kuzbas area, is the coal mine, um, the coal heart of Russia. I think five or eight percent of all global reserves of coal come from there, and we still have uh, functioning uh, open basin, open coal mines um, in 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 there. So these big cities is basically where uh, people live today because 99% um, of all indigenous communities um, were dealt with. Um, and this is where uh, most of the book takes place. Um, the, the small, the outskirts of the big city that looks like a village to Alexei, his grandmother's um, world and uh, the big city where he and his mother eventually moved to. Yes, it is It is remote and not uh, even well known to uh, the European Russians. Um, and yet, so many people live there and 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 it's such a big territory. I, f I feel like it's just so unfair that it's completely uh, ignored, have been ignored for centuries. And even today in Europe, you know, all this uh, gas uh, problems that we have now in Europe. All that natural resources, they come from Siberia. All that war, wars that have been happening, they are in, in, in many ways about those resources. So it is a, an important part of the world, <laughs> definitely very important to me. So I uh, thought uh, it, it was um, vital for me to put it on the map to call the book that way and to set the story there. Plus with the fact that this is the part of the world that I know the best. So, so you, you, you know, Siberia well, but, but um, I, I thought that you were, you were also kind of working with the idea of um, the, you know, the gay population in Russia being exiled from the imagination and Siberia mm -hmm. being a place where people had been exiled for so long. Mm -hmm. Dealing with that exile of the imagination and the physical exile mm -hmm. and kind of having those two um, in, in, in your Siberia. Yeah, well, one, once again, you, you saw something there that I think is absolutely correct and yet I never uh, thought of it that way. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you can read the story also metaphorically, uh, and uh, the, 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 the Siberian part of it. Uh, indeed, um, in fact, Alexis' mother, she says that um, Siberia is, uh, living in Siberia is like living in a perpetual exile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, it is true. And um, the, the worst part about it is how hard it is to get out of there, how nearly impossible it is to to leave, even though it's the same country and you would think that um, you just get on a plane and go. But of course, the flights are extremely expensive. The distance is incredible. And um, there, there are simply no roads. You know, most of the cities are not even connected to, to the capital or to each other. 
Um, so it is also, yeah, a very emotional um, uh, setting, right? Uh, the, the, this ultimate remoteness, ultimate exile, ultimate loneliness, isolation, and yet feeling and be being alien within that very alienated, very isolated part of the world. Yeah, I, you know, when I first read it, uh, when I first read your book, one of the things I thought about in terms of a parallel to the United States was that, you know, I live in California. Um, my daughter, who you've met, um, is gay and lives in, in California, but lived for a long time in San Francisco. And a, 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 a community that's very welcoming to to the gay gay population and and um, and she had a great time living in in San Francisco and and feels very welcome in Los Angeles as well. Um, but I remember you know Matthew Shepard and what happened with Matthew Shepard and he lived in a very small town and I think that often people will say that you know it's it's legal to gay marriage is legal in the United States and and, and question why it would be difficult to be gay in the United States but some of the things that you talk about are also true in the United States if you live in a very small town and there is gay hatred in that small town um, you might feel like it's a long ways to the next big city where there's actually a queer mm. center or a queer bar. And if you're working as a waitress and you don't have a car and you don't have the money to get out of that town, maybe you have a child or two, um, or you're a mechanic and you don't, you don't have the money to get out of that town, um, and there's, there's a lot of homophobia in that town, um, how do you get out? How did Matthew Shepard? How, how did Matthew Shepard end up in a very small town where there was homophobia, and and he ended up getting killed? Um, yeah. And so I, I think that you know it's very easy for Americans to look at Russia and think you know that it's, it must be terrible to live in a country where you could get killed for being gay. But people have gotten killed for being gay in the United States, and often it the case is that people get, um, get, get stuck by poverty here. Uh, if you're in a tiny town in Alaska or in a tiny, just a tiny town anywhere in this country, it could be hard to get to yeah. Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon or San Francisco or some, some town that's very welcoming to the LGBT population. Um, we, we take it for granted, you know? Yes, I, I, of course, I see what you mean. And you know, um, I think I had a choice to whether call this uh, text a novel or memoir. And honestly, I could go with both. And in both cases, I think um, I would be fine with it. But one of the reasons why I didn't call it a memoir um, is because memoir is a, a very unique, very uh, singular story uh, by definition. It's my story, nobody else's. As it, this is how I understand it, right? It's very it's me, me, me. Whereas a novel is something that I don't see my story as unique. I, I see or the story of Alexia as unique. Uh, I see it as something that is happening, of course, to hundreds of thousands of people around the world and not just in Russia, absolutely. There are worse places to be different in the world. 
Um, Sudan, I think, is one of them. It was recently on the news. There are better places, of course. Um, but there is a there is a certain the extreme the extreme part of it. We, of course, homophobia can happen anywhere, and it does happen everywhere. Um, but there is also something different, and I sense it. I feel it when I read the stories of the um, of the Western. Um, queer writers uh, like Douglas Stewart, you know, and his Shaggy Payne, also uh, uh, poverty, uh, being gay in uh, Scotland, Ocean Vong, um, uh, United States, um, being an immigrant, second generation immigrant, and uh, also poverty, being queer, uh, no way to escape, etc. Um, but how shall I put it? Um, <laughs> um, and, and I'm happy when when the readers uh, recently I got a message from someone from Tennessee I think and he said that oh my god this is my story and I was impressed and I was happy that uh, uh, that I, I could find that kind of feedback um, yes um, well look uh, there is there's a difference between um in, this, in, in, in my case, in the story, in the case of with Alexei, there, was, there is no one that you can run to. There is no um, one you can ask for help. The system itself, the law, the constitution of the country is against you. The constitution of the country says that you are a criminal. You are a criminal just because you show your difference you're, you're being different so that means in practice that there will be no place in the entire country you can run to there'll be no new york no san francisco where you can escape to moreover there'll be no one to ask for help because the authorities will be will be supporting your assaulters if 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 you are attacked attacked and if you try to find justice on media or in court it will be your assaulters who will win the case and you will be even further persecuted um yes um <laughs> so it, it, it is uh, slightly different no quite uh, no it's quite different yeah, I mean. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes when I read writers, like recently I went to listen to uh, Fra Fran Leibovitz, and uh, she she writes in a very funny and charismatic, charming way about how she escaped, uh, how hard it was for her to escape New Jersey and to reach New York. And okay, I get it, <laughs> right? I understand. <laughs> um, but there's so many boundaries between... Uh, legal and geographical and cultural uh, between uh, Alexei and, and New York, where he wants to get. It's right. like going to another planet, you know. Right. He, will not be, he won't be allowed to board on the plane, even if he gets that money. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, it, yeah. 
it's it, it seemed it, it seems closer to America before civil rights when exactly yeah mm-hmm. African Americans were mm-hmm. being lynched you know mm-hmm. yes yes exactly so uh, right now I'm reading wonderful memoirs uh, of Billie Holiday mm-hmm. and and it's like reading my story like I, I can this is something that I can closely and 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 uh, associate with all my heart you know I I really. <laughs> really know and feel her pain exact right. whereas whereas uh, um when i write when i read um Douglas Stewart is a different level it's not my um <laughs> my level of suffering anymore right right <laughs> you know it's impossible to 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 to, to level it to find you know who stands where but but there is difference between what um, Billy Holiday's generation was going through and Beyonce's generation going through, right? Right. right. We cannot deny that. Right. I, I do think that, um, you know, I, I met Matthew Shepard's mother um, after, you know, he after she was crucified on a barbed wire fence. Um, mm. and she she had not recovered at that time. I, I don't know how she is now. But I do think that um, America has changed since then. Um, so I think that the level of um, homophobia 20 years ago when, when Matthew Shepard um, was killed was much more intense, I'd like to think. I think that now there's this level of transphobia that's going on. So again, America is a very violent country. I mean... There have been 300 mass shootings in 2023. So um, I, again, just don't want to underestimate how much, if I were, if I was, I I don't want to speak at all for the trans community, but I I think that the trans community would say that there's a lot of violence. uh, No doubt, no doubt, of course. Country, particularly because it's just a violent country. Um, too many people have guns and, and that kind of thing. But I also think that it's quite a different thing to live in a community where there's th- the institution supports this. And, you know, there are laws the FBI does not support, um, you, know, the, you know, the FBI will come after you if you are, are going after, it, it, you know, the FBI comes after hate crimes, for example, you know, um, and um I want to make sure uh, before we go too much further, um, Artem. In, in case you get to come back to Los Angeles, and I know you're hoping to come come uh, later this year, this bookstore, Skylight, is my favorite bookstore in Los Angeles. I hope that we'll be able to drive you by to visit. So you're looking at a picture of it. It always has this beautiful tree in the middle, and it has mm. this beautiful skylight. Uh, it's in Los Feliz, and um, so I it know you. Lovely. Yeah, it's a really beautiful bookstore and has wonderful restaurants all around it. So when you come back to L.A., um, we'll try to take you by there. But uh, thank you, Skylight, so much for hosting this uh, event for Artem. Um, Artem's just been such a great author. And Tyler, we can't thank you enough for for having Artem here. I wanted to make sure I said that. uh, Artem, Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Skylight. I hope one day I'll get to see it. Yes. Artem's hoping to be in the neighborhood uh, sometime later this year uh, on a on a July maybe of, of, of California. So um, we're hoping that he can come by. Um, 
Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And uh, we would love to have you. We'll, we'll happily host you for sure, please. <laughs> thank you so much. So, Artem, you were just saying that. Um, so when you when you first got out of, of Russia, how did it feel for you? Um, it was a shock. It was it was utter shock and um, a very, very, very good surprise. I honestly, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> people might hate me for saying this, but I honestly could not even imagine that things are so much better. I could not imagine that... Um, I don't know. I when I when I first got to America, and it was a very small town in Pennsylvania, and the first time I saw um, people with uh, disabilities attending university classes, I was shocked. People using wheelchairs, because that never happens in countries like Russia. Uh, people like that are locked away and never have a chance to attend uh, university course. You know, when I saw, like, you can press a button at the door and the door will open if you have difficulties opening it. I said, my God, you know, what is this planet? When I saw um, a couple of girls walking on the street holding hands, I could not believe, like, I wanted to cry. You know, I, I wanted to cry. Um, uh, and then, um, yeah, I was very hurt that I could not stay. <laughs> uh, I could not afford to pay my uh, university. It was an exchange program, and I could not afford to pay the, the fees, and I had to go back. Um, yeah, it was a shock. It was a great shock, and even bit more, even even even, I, I felt even bitterer to to my own country and. Um, I know very well that um, yeah, every nation on this planet has its problems. And, but believe me, Alexei would give everything <laughs> to move and stay in that uh, small Republican town in Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, I don't know how else to, to put it. Yeah. Um, what, what also happens uh, when um, the whole uh, uh, the whole country, the, the constitution is against you, is that stories are not stories are silenced, voices are silenced. Um, nowadays, you know, I live in in Europe, and um, when um, when George Floyd was killed, more than ten thousand people marched on the streets of Brussels. Just think about it. Another country, another part of the world, yet um, it made, not just made news, it shook the world here, right? And people went on the streets and I was one of them. But when things like that happen in Russia or, you know, in other countries where we don't even discuss it, we don't even mention it. Media is not allowed to mention that the gay people exist in Russia. So there is no personality, no Ellen DeGeneres, no Ricky Martin, not a single openly gay person. If someone gets killed violently, and that happens on a daily basis, 
if it's a hate crime, not only it will not be investigated, but it will never make the news. Nobody will ever find out about that. Nobody will ever discuss it. And nobody will protest against that in European capital like Brussels. You see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and this silencing is very, very traumatic, of course. Um, um, yeah. Hmm. And, and the silencing um, feels like a kind of death to the story and to the narrative and to, to one's life in a way, because what makes um, your life move forward is being inside a story that it, a story, a narrative, um, and being able to speak your truth. Um, and, um, so being inside a country where truth is stifled is very 1984. Yes, yes. And as you can see, I, I had to abandon my own language to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you have to go against yourself, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to continue uh, living. You have to deny part of your, um, yourself, uh, your identity. You have to, yeah, um, because of course, um, uh, stories like these are not uh, um, heard, published, read um, <laughs> in Russia. You know, the bef- before the latest version of uh, the anti-gay law, um, they used to do ridiculous things like um, taking um, the biopic of Elton John produced in Hollywood, you know, and, and cut out all the gay parts of it. And make make Elton John um, be straight for the Russian public. <laughs> Just think of that kind of world. They did the same to Freddie Mercury. I mean, Freddie Mercury is still straight. You know, he died of cancer in Russia. Oh, did he? Of course, nature. My father is the biggest fan. Um, without ever thinking that he might be gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just and, completely different and worlds. And John is 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 straight also. <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, the worst the worst part of um, Russia in this respect is Chechnya. It's a state, a Russian a part of Russia, where they actually have um, a kind of concentration camp camps for gay men. And the governor of Chechnya, Ramzan Kadyrov, um, when um, these horrendous um, killings and uh, lynching uh, made the news abroad, uh, he said, what concentration camps? What? We don't have any gay people in Chechnya. We don't have any. As simple as that. You know, <laughs> so when you don't have any gay people, when Elton John and Freddie Mercury are straight, um, it will never make the news. You will right. never hear of it. You will never go protesting against it. You will never um, think of Russia as being a bad place. 
right. uh, for trans or gay or black people. When I was at the Sharjah Book Fair, I met with um, someone from Georgia, the country Georgia, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, I was. Um, they asked me what book I had been talking about at Frankfurt, and the book was the Carlos Agende book. I think you met Carlos. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I don't know if it's really the right book for you. And so then I, I asked if they, how they felt about gay books in Georgia. And she said, um, well, we don't really feel we should torture gay people. And <laughs> um, I, I, you know, kind of changed the subject, but I just, I, I couldn't, you know, she went into this whole thing about how she's told her children not to torture gay people, even though they're deviants. Um, yeah. But she told her children this. Yeah. Well, Georgia is slightly more progressive than Russia. <laughs> but they are on the slightly higher step in that kind of evolution. Um, yeah. So she had told her children not to torture gay people. And I just was like, I, I wanted to just kind of leave the. <laughs> <laughs> going i don't know what to think well because you know she she's one of the most liberal open-minded educated people in georgia and that's why they don't torture gay people they just yeah. simply throw them off the cliff or something <laughs> yeah. I, I i literally never had a conversation like that in my whole life you know and and <sighs> just so nonplussed i didn't know where to go with them. yeah uh, um yeah. Oh, there you have it. Um, well, um, this this I think this book will will end up in many hands. It's it's an exquisitely written book, Artem, um, and and, and um, just a, a really beautiful read. Um, as you and I hope that it will um, be made into a movie. We think it would make a good movie. At least the whole Red Hen team thinks so. Um, <laughs> How do uh, we push it forward? Who do we give it to? <laughs> we're we're going to send it out to some movie companies and see what they think. But uh, I think it would be a great, great, uh, great movie. Um, but it's but it's a beautiful book um, and a, a book about um, self expression and someone um, finding out that. Um, they can love themselves and be themselves in spite of great odds, great, great odds. And uh, yeah. I, 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 also, I also see it as a positive story. I see it as a, um, yeah, as a um, motivating story. I see it as a, um, as a story of how the strength in you <laughs> Yeah, I do too. Even yeah. the even the, the the gentle strength, right, can be the whole nation. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a very um, it, it's a story where he 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 finds his way towards joy, um, and um, so I think I think readers will really enjoy this. And um, it's been such a pleasure working with you. And I will just say this too, since this is your first book. I hope you enjoy every bit of getting out and talking with readers and having book parties and book launches because um, 
it's it it should be a lot of fun. Um, and Tyler, thank you so much for having us on here. Uh, this has been so much fun getting to talk with Artem. I don't get enough time with him. We did just we did just party in London. I, I will say that, Tyler. I wish you'd been there. Um, but uh, it was a fun party. But I still don't get enough time with Artem. So this is really fun, Tyler. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you both so much for taking the time. And uh, and I love getting to kind of be a part of these things because uh, there's something so wonderful about hearing an author um, be enlightened about their own work by someone who clearly cares a lot about it. Uh, who's a reader. And I think that's such a joyful kind of beautiful thing where it's like, I never thought of it that way, but that's, you know, like that's, it's an amazing moment to capture. So I'm glad that we can get that on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be with you. And Artem, I hope you have a great, is it evening there, Artem? Yeah. Yeah. It's 8 PM. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you have a great evening. Uh, and thank you. And so you have a good day guys. Okay. And hopefully we'll see you this summer. Yes, yes absolutely. absolutely. Please. We'd love to see you at Skylight. And uh, so, yes, thank you both so much again for taking the time. We really appreciate it. We look forward to having this out on our feed. And you should absolutely come to the store, Skylight Books 1818 North Vermont, and order or uh, pick up Spring in Siberia. Uh, it was published just last month, so we'll have it on the shelves. And uh, you should come check it out. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and, and have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Skylight Books podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to check out the book featured in this episode or others, please visit skylightbooks.com. If you're in the Los Angeles area, stop by for one of our live in-person author events. You can find a calendar on our website. If you like this podcast, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Our music is by Doug the Piano Wire. Till next time. <laughs>